Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. Dr. Lulu is a former lieutenant colonel and commander of the U.S. Air Force. She is a Nigerian-born, board-certified pediatrician, global speaker on youth suicide prevention, three-time best-selling author, and a mother of three. She is also a TEDx speaker from 2020, a TV personality, and freelance writer. Dr. Lulu and I have an honest and open conversation about imposter syndrome and suicide and the work that she has done, which is absolutely incredible. Dr. Lulu, thank you for being here with me. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for giving me grace. Give me 30 minutes, or was it an hour grace or something with the time? Yes, any time. So we all need some grace. <laughs> I think I accept it. I'll take all the grace that I can get. Um, let's just jump right in and talk to me about what comes to mind when I say imposter syndrome. Girl, what doesn't? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I live with that daily. I think my biggest, the, the who comes to mind is what is what's to me is more dramatic. Whitney Houston comes to mind. Mm-hmm. I say that all the time to my kids and on my podcast. She, before she got on stage, she always said, oh my God, no one is going to want to listen to me. I'm going to be so awful. No one, you know, I'm not going to sing well. Whitney Houston, Whitney. Mm-hmm. So if Whitney can do it, I can do it too. So mm-hmm. every time I think about her, I feel better mm-hmm. about, you know, just feeling incomplete all the time. Mm-hmm. I put out on my Facebook page today my brand new mission statement about being a, a, a life coach. And they just went they were they just went at me like, oh you know, I knew it was gonna happen, but I did it anyway. So that's what I do. You know, I think about it and I don't I don't want to talk myself out of it, which mm-hmm. is the end result of imposter syndrome. You mm-hmm. end up talking yourself out of it. But every now and again, someone tells me, oh, my God, I'm so inspired. Even as I'm feeling that this is not good, you know, mm-hmm. so that keeps me going. But I stay coasting in imposter syndrome because I'm usually the only one I know that's doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Either like the only one I know that looks like me or the only one I know that talks like me, or the only one I know that has dreadlocks or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's always, I'm always like the, the pioneer in most, most arenas that I play in. And so that is major, major imposter syndrome. Yeah, you brought up so many good points already and we're only two minutes in. So let's try to tackle them. So the first thing I wanna say is that I've heard this so frequently about I'm the oh I look around and I'm the only one who looks like me, which is like prime time a cause of imposter syndrome. And someone said to me recently, and I thought it was so inspiring, they said, if I look around and I'm the only one who looks like me, then that means that's exactly where I belong. And I think that mindset shift is so fundamental that we need more women saying that in places that they're going where they're the only one who looks like them. I love it. I love it. That was a, that's nailed. In fact, I, need to, I think I need to write that down. And that's true. When I was Lieutenant Colonel in the U.S. Air Force, commander, I was like, nobody, uh, I joined the Air Force as a Lieutenant Colonel. I know people are like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they call it direct accession. So I came in, 
at 42 or 43. And they're like, oh, so since you're the highest ranking person, you need to be commander. I'm like, commander of what? Of who? Like, you're going to, you know, I'm like, oh my God. I call my dad, who's a retired two star general. I'm crying. I'm like, I don't know anything about this. I said, oh my God, my daughter, you're, you know, you're blazing trails. I said, forget the trails I'm blazing. Yeah. I don't know anything about being commander. <laughs> you know, so then he was like, okay, do this, walk like this, talk like this. And, you know, and I still kept this as a commander, you do that, you know, it's like your body, your walk and your talk has to exude that commandership. And sometimes I have to catch myself walking like a commander at home. Mm-hmm. No, I'm no longer the commander, you know. But it's a mass. So imagine the major imposter syndrome. I went to, to sleep every night thinking, oh my God, I'm bullshitting my way through this. Mm-hmm. And then, and every morning I had to give my troops a, like a positive every morning, every morning. And, at one, and then one day, a couple of the, like, the younger officers that were like senior to me in experience in the Air Force, but younger to me in rank, Mm-hmm. They came like, they're like, ma'am, we just love your morning, you know, motivational talks. It's just mm-hmm. like, like a couple of us, like we wake, we just, we just can't wait to hear what you have to say the next day. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you knew that I was just bullshitting, I'm like, well, your bullshit tastes good. I'm like, you know, okay. Yeah. I needed that. That boosted me to this high level because I don't remember what I said to them, but I had to come up with a 15 minute in, um, motivational talk every day. Wow. Six weeks of training. And I came straight from the street with my divaliciousness, thinking I was high heels. And, nope. I had to. Oh my God. So, you know, you know, I think now another way to paraphrase that is God doesn't put you where you don't need to be. Mm-hmm. This date, you know, I have a lot of the people that trained with me that are kind of ume, oh my God, you're doing this now. Kind of ume, kind of ume, I'm like, oh my God, you know that. So I'm still, without knowing, inspiring people. Just this week, one of the doctors, Dr. Candice Williams, she wrote something on my page and I'm like, what? When did you sign up for life coaching? So she said, she said, a few days ago, you inspired me. I'm like, what? This just happened this week. So I say to anyone who feels impostered, just keep on rocking in your imposterness. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it is what it is, you know? And one of the stories that I like to tell is one day last year when I just opened my direct primary care practice and I was going around to the offices and telling people about what I do. And I walk into this office and I think it was like my 11th doctor's office that day. I was tired. Mm-hmm. And I was wearing my, one of my favorite high heels, they're green suede. It's got a gold band around, a gold little thing around it. It's just a very pretty pair of shoes. And you know, there's nothing in me. The smile is the most important thing that you wear on your face. Mm-hmm. But honestly, the most important thing I wear on my body is my high heels. Mm-hmm. And so when I do my Facebook lives every Sunday, my wife's like, why are you wearing high heels? I'm like, I don't know Nobody can see them, but it's my confidence booster. Right yeah. Now. So I'm wearing these high heels. They're green. They're beautiful. I'm, I'm looking fly. Okay. But I'm tired. Mm-hmm. And I walk into the office and I ask the lady, I said, um, she, she, I, tell, I tell her what I'm here for. She's like, oh my God, we need you. We have a lot of patients that, you know, we need you. Let me go mm-hmm. get the office manager. I said, okay, while you're doing that, where's the bathroom? Mm-hmm. This is over there. So I walk to the bathroom, I open the door and I just, just the, the sound of my heels 
the way I, I closed the door and I walked straight to the mirror and I, and I winked and I said, girl, you're killing it. Like that. And it, that kept me, that just kind of boosted me for like eight months. I was mm-hmm. that high that I gave myself that confidence to go and get them. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where it came from, but to this date, I tell that story all the time. So every time I'm feeling impostered, yeah, I go back to that day and I say, "Girl, you're killing it," you know. Yeah. And um, and life goes on. So yeah, that's it's so it's such an important concept. What you just said, the things that we tell ourselves matter so much, and for so many years, I was hesitant to be confident or to or to say positive things to myself because I was thinking that it was I don't want to be arrogant, I don't want to be delusional, I'm just lying to myself. But what I didn't realize is that I was already being delusional and I was already lying to myself just in a negative way, which was not serving my life. And when it comes to imposter syndrome, you tell yourself anything you want. You tell yourself a positive story and that's what's going to get you to your goals. And it doesn't make you delusional. It makes you smart. You can say that again for those at the back. Mm-hmm. We are very quick to say all the negative things to us. There's no imposter problem with that. Mm-mm. But when it comes to the, to the positive direction, direction, dimension or whatever, you can say that again. Yeah. So what we need to do is practice and in 2018, I made a promise to myself, my new resolution was to always compliment women. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was done with women not knowing how to accept a compliment, not knowing how to give it back and simply not getting enough of it. Yeah. So I was just like, that's it. Once I see a chick, I'm like, oh God, your hair, your, your hair is so pretty or whatever, your eyes. Mm-hmm. And it never fails. I could tell those who have imposter syndrome because they're like, Oh, this old thing. Right. Versus, versus oh, thank you. And I, I mm-hmm. like your hair too, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. I don't, just fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. So. Something you brought up um, a few minutes ago that I wanted to point out is when you were a colonel and you were, you know, you said, you know, fake it till you make it. This is everything new to you. And something that's really interesting to me is life in general. If we're, if we're committed to growing and to getting better, then every day is going to be a new experience. And that's what we want and it's what we need. But for our brains, especially our primitive brains, amygdala, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that feels uncomfortable because it's not familiar. So it's this, it's this hard, it's this difficult struggle of we want to be committed to growing and getting better. But then we also have this brain who's telling us, you don't know what you're doing. You know, you know, you're doing it wrong. Someone's more experienced than you. When in reality, the only way we're ever going to get experience is and, and help other people is by doing those new things every time and bringing the past experiences that we have that only we have into the future. And that's what we're missing out on, I think, so frequently. I love that. I love that. Yeah, you, you, that is so true. We are, you know, the, the, uh, the primitive brain, the more we know about it, the better we, we should be. Mm-hmm. But even no matter, even the person who is a neurologist still has. Mm-hmm. And I think in a way, in a sense, it might actually be good to check our excesses, except that we now end up giving in to it and then mm-hmm. it wins. 
And that's the problem. I think imposter syndrome is important. I think it's actually needed mm-hmm. to kind of just keep us in check. Yeah. But then if you, but you need to be about knowing yourself and be about saying to yourself, no, uh-uh, I got this. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I say I use a lot is my three A's when I talk to my, my patients. The, the first A is acknowledge the thoughts. Because if you don't, if you just stack them, stack them, stack them, they're not going to go away. They're going to become intrusive. They're going to try to come back, come back. So acknowledge it. All right, I'll see you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Don't come in and definitely don't give it a drink. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I tell the kids, I say, don't, don't, don't let it come in and take a seat. Mm-hmm. And then say, so what do you say again? You say, I'm not good enough. Wait, am I not the one that was commander in the Air Force? Mm-hmm. Am I not the mother of three boys and, and, and they're doing so well? Am I not the person that wrote three books and they're both, all three of them are bestsellers? Mm-hmm. Am I not the person that's, you know, a United Nations speaker or youth suicide prevention? Wait, am I not a TEDx speaker? What do you mean? I'm, what do you mean? I'm, what do you mean? I'm yeah. not good Challenge that thought. And that's yeah. the second A is analyze it. Analyze it. Just take a minute to analyze. Am I really not good enough? Of course I'm good enough. And mm-hmm. then A is act. Act based on that analysis, which is usually true. But we don't want to stop and analyze. Right. And so the thought just comes and just takes a seat. And that's why the Native American adage says, the wolf you feed is going to get bigger. Mm-hmm. And we're only feeding the negative wolf. Feeding the negative thoughts nonstop. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I have, I, when I was learning about thought work and coaching, I used the three R's, which is similar to your three A's. Okay. Use the thoughts, okay. replace them with a new thought. Okay. Well, there you go. So my, mine is recognize, reach out and rise up. Oh, okay. So, so out, talk to me about that. Yeah, so recognize the thought, same thing. But reach out to someone because my patients are suicidal, remember? Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a, that's a unique, unique niche of human mm-hmm. beings. So when the thoughts come that you want to kill yourself, reach out to somebody. Mm-hmm. Call me, call your mama, call Shaniqua, Boniqua, call somebody. Yeah. And then reach out almost physically to touch someone. And if they grab you, rise up with them and get out of the room, get out of that mindset. Mm-hmm. Physically, Remove yourself from the place because if you know where your gun is, if you know where your knife is, mm-hmm. your rope is, so physically remove yourself because usually the thoughts about suicide come at a particular, something triggers it. Mm-hmm. There are people who have chronic suicidality, that is true, but majority of us is like, oh my God, not another failure. I, like, oh my goodness, that's it. Mm-hmm. I can't do this anymore. So what you need to do is you need to be prepared for when those days happen. And I do, and I, I notice this a lot because I've been suicidal myself. And I tell my wife, every time I have an event, I have this huge adrenaline leading to the event. Mm-hmm. And then I have the event and usually they're successful because you know what? It's me. So they're successful. Mm-hmm. And then I get this dip, this crash. And that is when, I'm like, oh my God, like, oh, I feel so like, I don't know, I want to hurt myself. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't put it together that way until I had a guest on my podcast. His name is Leo Flowers. He's a celebrated um, comedian in Las Vegas. And he said, he has a podcast called Before You Kill Yourself. And so I was a guest and so we kind of swapped guests. Mm-hmm. And he, he's in, so he, in his podcast, he talks about before you kill yourself, what should you do? So 
and he, he told me about the sec the first was the second time he attempted he wanted to jump off a balcony mm-hmm. having an event that was a sold out comedy event in Las Vegas. Wow, an idea of how big it is. Mm-hmm. And he was done with the event. It was hugely successful. And then he went into into the hotel room, and he had nothing planned for the night. And he climbed on the on the balcony, and almost jumped. And he something told him to call one eight hundred two seven three talk, hot the suicide hotline. And he was talked down from the ledge. Mm-hmm. And then I told him, I said, I recognize that because when I have my events, my suicide events or my parents and teen events, I get that a lot. Mm-hmm. And I've now recognized that. So I always tell my wife, I said, after my event, I'm either going to go for a drive or go, go shopping. I need to have something that I've planned after the event. Otherwise, mm-hmm. having nothing to do is not good. So if you recognize your trigger, mm-hmm. You need to plan, have right. a plan so that when it happens, you know what to do. And he was like, oh my God, you know that you're right. I said, he said the second time that it, it was something similar to that. He had just had something big and, and he just, after the fact, he was like, he didn't plan. So let's recognize that that huge adrenaline rush, we get this crash. Mm-hmm. And if you're not careful, you could hurt yourself. So yeah. reach out, but physically to someone, call your friend. My patients, I usually tell them whenever they go into that mindset, what I make them to, to do to reach out is call five friends is what I tell my client. My patients are teenagers. My clients are teenagers. I say call five friends and ask each one, what can you do to make their day better? Hmm. So what you've done essentially is you're taking that, burden from your head and you're now helping someone which coaching being a human being is all about service to others service to humanity Mm -hmm. and when god created adam he said let's make him a helpmeet let's create a helper Mm -hmm. and yes it happened to be eve which is a female but in my mindset i'm just like god created you and then made me to help you that's Mm -hmm. it that's the way to look at it you're here to help others to here to be of service to others mm-hmm. and when you look at it that way so most of my patients say you know what dr lulu by the third phone call i'm already feeling better mm-hmm. i wonder why because now you're not it's not about you anymore you've now helped someone else out of their own funk and don't text them call them yeah it's a different energy when you're calling than when mm-hmm. you're texting so most of my teenagers they do that now and Knock on wood, they're all doing okay. That's outstanding. And I, that's such an important, just, I, I think just for humans in general and for people with, with, you know, in the pits of imposter syndrome, that's, that was really useful for me is let's take the focus off of me and think about how can I help my patients how can I best serve my patients today? How can I best serve other women physicians today? And when you have that shift of, of using your humanity and realizing that your purpose on earth is to serve, others, that's it. then everything else is so much less important. Boom, right there. And then 
the teenagers particularly, which, I mean, you know, kudos to them because I have a 16-year-old son. He's, a, he's 5'10". He plays basketball. It's been very, very, very hard for him. Mm-hmm. His two brothers, are in, one is in college and one is in grad school. It's hard for the one in grad school called me and said, Mom, I just never saw myself at 22 and having to just go from school to my room, from school to my room. Because the virus, the, you know, the, you know it's, 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 I didn't do that when I was 22. I was right. young, free, and single and just willing to mingle. Mm-hmm. You know? So I completely get it. It's, it's mentally taxing. So I just say, call your friends. And so we've, we have that code now. And after they complained about it a couple of weeks ago, I now instituted, which my boys call me every Sunday anyway, the ones that are not home. Mm-hmm. One of them calls on Saturday, one of them calls on Sunday. But after that phone call, I now instituted a midweek mental health check, which is just mm-hmm. a So now I'm the one checking with them at the text. How are you doing? How is your week going? What's, how is everything? You want to talk? Are you okay? So I cannot take it for granted that I have three black sons. One is in Texas and one is in Boston. Mm. Boston police and Texas, that's all I need. I got black sons. So I'm very, very, very realistic. I keep it real. I'm like, I need to check on my baby just to make sure that they're fine. Because it's a whole new world, like literally speaking. Yeah. And because he's a musician, specifically because he's a musician, the next level of imposter syndrome. It's like, oh, I, you know, I had this concert today and I don't know, I think I played well, but maybe whatever, nonstop, mm-hmm. you know. So people that are performers have a very high rate of imposter syndrome. Yeah. Because, you know, they're performing all the time. Mm-hmm. Very and odd. yeah, is it, is it related to the fact that, especially with performers, like you're, it's easy for your self-worth to get caught up, to get mixed with like the reviews of others or your audience's responses to you mm-hmm. instead of being more confident with your own like internal validation. And I think that's hard for people in general, but especially like you said, with artists and performers where so much of their livelihood is based on the opinions of other people. And doctors now too. Yeah. Doctors true. I never, ever, ever read my reviews no i'm not gonna do it i'm not gonna give anybody that much power mm-hmm. and so, so true. one time one time my son the baby looked at my reviews in the where my my where the office that i was working i had like 150 reviews mm-hmm. one of them was a two-star or one mm-hmm. star the other 149 were five stars. Mm-hmm. Of course, the, the, you know, because his math is going to affect the, the ultimate average. But then he wanted to know, mom, you know, what's with this? I said, that tells you right there that that person was jaded. Mm-hmm. And I, just, I said, they probably wanted antibiotics. And I said, no, I'm not going to give it to you because I'm a pediatrician. We don't do that mm-hmm. for a cold. And I tossed that out and I, I went about my way. Mm-hmm. But I remember that. I remember that that was something that, you know, he mentioned because he just happened to have seen that. Yeah. I generally don't. As long as I'm practicing good medicine, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Now, after 30 years of being a doctor, there's very few things I'm learning today as a doctor. You mm-hmm. know, so I'm good. And so if somebody decides to give me a two-star, 
nine times out of 10, that person didn't get what they wanted. Right. But that means I did the right thing as a doctor. And that's mm-hmm. okay. And I have to be okay with that. So right. doctors particularly, you know, we have the high rate of suicide. It's because of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Majority of that, you know, either that or we just, you know, as you know, we get burnout. Yep. And you're not allowed to complain. You're not allowed to say you need a timeout. Mm-hmm. Yesterday was Monday. My wife took a mental health day. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, from work, she just took the day off. And yeah, you know, it was awesome. Many yep. people can't do that. Right. They don't have permission to do that. Right. And doctors particularly, we are very not permissible with our own colleagues. We don't let our own colleagues, like you, he called off. What does he mean he called off? Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, or I had a girl on my podcast on Monday. She was like, you know, as a resident, she didn't want to take, she didn't want to take time even though she was suicidal because, you know, people are like, well, who's going to do your work for you? And mm-hmm. that's so toxic. Yeah. Yeah. We're trained, so many of us as physicians, to ignore our humanity and ignore the humanity in our colleagues. And I think that's where we're doing a disservice. And I think when patients and when when we can recognize the humanity in other physicians and when patients can realize that we're like, we have flaws and we have lives and we're going to have bad days, then I think that's where there's going to be a shift because we're human beings who have to have mental health days and are going to have bad days and are going to make mistakes and have to use the bathroom in the middle of surgery and get sick. And so for so many years, it was, it was like this secret, like, Oh, but when you're a physician, like that stuff not, doesn't really count anymore. You have to be more Yeah. when that's just, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not sustainable. And it's mm-hmm. obvious in America Physicians yeah. have the aspect of suicide of all white collar jobs, period. Mm-hmm. And the number 400 that's been tossed around per year is a lie. Mm-hmm. It's a lie. I just told my wife, I'm writing an article right now for Kevin MD, and it's titled Another Physician, Another Physician, Better. I think it's called either Another Physician Suicide. Let me see if I can find it. It's called Another Physician Suicide, but who is counting? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I call, that's what I'm calling it. Um, Another, yeah, it's called another physician suicide, but who's counting? That's the fourth physician suicide in four weekends. Mm. I know that because I'm in the suicide arena. My work is in suicide prevention arena. So it always finds its way to me. People inbox me. Did you hear about this? Did you see this? Did you hear? You know, that's the fourth in four weekends. That's a person who had a family, whose family loved them, who had X amount of patients, and their patients love them. Mm-hmm. We cannot continue this way. And so, believe it or not, I'm having in December, God help me, I don't talk myself out of it, a physician suicide prevention summit just by us, for us. Mm-hmm. I'm calling it Stop Suicide Now MD Boot Camp or something like that. Mm-hmm. Just for physicians. That's amazing. Stop suicide Now MD boot camp because I wanted mm-hmm. it, I didn't want to call it summit because we need to start talking about it, honey. Mm-hmm. It's not going away, honey. And I don't know how many of us that are here today are going to be here in December to attend my summit if mm-hmm. we don't do something about it mm-hmm. and empower each other. Yeah. So since you have this podcast about it, maybe you might be a speaker. I don't know. I want to do it. It's good. I'm getting the, the vibe of a three-day summit, a yeah. three-day event, three hours each. 
Mm-hmm. And I really need to start working on it. <laughs> People always ask me, how, well, why suicide? Of all the things you can speak about. I said, and I was like, why not? Yeah. It is the ultimate form of preventative medicine. Mm-hmm. If your patient kills themselves, you have no patient. Mm-hmm. And that's when I said to my friend, when he asked me, he said, have you lost your mind? You know, like, what do you mean you're going to quit your job and become a speaker about suicide? What, 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 what you know? You want to become a therapist? And I was like, dude, it needs a doctor. And I was like, dude, if I have to explain it to you, yeah, then, you, then you've missed the mark. Mm-hmm. Because if our children are killing themselves, that's the next level mm-hmm. of pay in the society. Yeah. And that is not good at all. So no. as bad as physician suicide is, youth suicide is worse. Because mm-hmm. that means they have no hope for the future. Mm-hmm. So there'll be no body in the future. That's not good. That's a bad thought. Yeah. I, I think. Must, must do this. And yeah. that's why I said, I always feel like I'm the only one in the arena. You know, I'm just usually the only one. Yeah. Well, thank goodness you're, thank goodness you do all that you do because we need to talk about it. It needs to come up in conversation. It needs to not be taboo anymore because that's the problem is that no one knows to talk about it or to ask about it because they don't want to do the wrong thing. But that's because they're acting from a place of fear. Now, right. going back to what you said earlier on, mm-hmm. if we, re- we recognize that we are all here to serve mm-hmm. and to be helpful, which is what I use for my teenagers. Actually, I use this. They're only allowed to describe themselves with one of the words on this. Oh, I love that. They come, they come, and it's so hard for them to not say, oh, I'm stupid. Oh, I'm yeah. stupid. They come like that, broken. Yeah. So if you can reset and remind yourself that you're here to serve, mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter if that guy is saying a timeout. You are here to serve. And that mm-hmm. means take all the time you need. Mm-hmm. Come. You know? And not, what do you mean you need a timeout? Who's going to cover for you? And that's because physicians, I don't know for sure that if physicians were really at the, at the helm of affairs, I don't know that things are going to be better necessarily, but I was going to say that's because physicians are not the ones making the decisions, but we are also very hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know that things would be better if we were like the ones calling the shots per se. I don't know. Right. Because I put up a, I put up a post in the physician women's, something, something entrepreneur page the other day about resident suicide. And I posted it in many, all the physician groups that I'm in and only maybe one or two comments per, per page. But that's not possible because mm-hmm. each one of those two comments was like, oh, my program director killed himself. Or, mm-hmm. Oh, one of my colleagues killed themselves. So for my colleague to kill themselves, that means... 16 of us were affected, yeah. and yet I'm the one speaking. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I am about taking that shame, silence, and stigma, ripping it. Mm-hmm. We can start living because yeah. talking about suicide is about talking about life, really. Yeah. It's about staying, choosing to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And choosing to stay when it's, even when it's hard. Even when it's hard, because I know, I know, I, if I, I, would have, I was about to drive off the highway me mm-hmm. and i know i don't i didn't drive off because i couldn't find an opening okay mm-hmm. but then when i came home and i told the wife now and she was like she called off work 
was like, that, no, that's it. Uh-uh. Not on my watch. Mm-hmm. But now just thinking back, I know now my children would have just had the worst outcome. Mm-hmm. I know it because the eldest is estranged from their father completely. Mm. And then, you know, I just see that it would have been catastrophic for my father. Mm-hmm. And he would have never, ever come to terms with it that his daughter killed herself. Mm-hmm. I know it because I know my dad, mm-hmm. general or not. And then my siblings mm-hmm. and everybody that I've inspired, my patients, mm-hmm. it would have been really bad. The ripple effect would have been nonstop. And so I beg you, if you're watching or listening, and you have ever thought about hurting yourself rethink it just know that at least one person loves you and that person might even be me i lost a colleague to suicide that's that was the very very first experience i had with suicide was a surgical resident a nigerian girl Mm -hmm. i'll never forget it because she put me in labor with my second son and he Mm -hmm. was born seven months was one premature. The news, yeah. So it's, I have been there. But even at that, you know, I was still overwhelmed and I got burnout and I wanted to kill myself and I, I had to file bankruptcy. And it, was, it was bad. But I'm here today to say that there is light, mm-hmm. two lights at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Just think about it. Because I heard about the doctor that sat in the parking lot in his Range Rover and put a gun to him. Oh, no, the G-Wagon. So that means he was, he had, you know, a G-Wagon. That's not a cheap car. Mm-hmm. So I ask you to think about it. Tell yourself that you got this. And call it timeout if you have to. Mm-hmm. Kudos to one of the residents when I was active duty Air Force. I'll never forget Dr. Dickey. He came into my office. I was medical director. He sat down and said, Dr. Omena, Dr. Lulu said, Dr. Omena, I'm not doing that. I'm done. I didn't ask him any questions because I could see in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to just let go. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm done with being a doctor. Thank God he jumped, quote unquote, mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. Rather than the other option, your yeah. patients will miss you. I know my patients, they miss me. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the work I'm doing now, all of them are like, thank you for doing the work you're doing now. We miss you as a clinician. Mm-hmm. Thank you for trying to save our children's lives, which is the next level of doctoring. You know what I mean? Yep. So while not everyone is called to do this work, that's okay. Do your own work where you are, your own little corner. Mm-hmm. Every time that imposter comes in the room, tell them to be gone. Mm-hmm. You know, three A's. Knock it out. Mm-hmm. Going. Reach deep inside. And there's a hero. If you search inside your soul. Yep. Thank you, Dr. Lulu, for everything. It's been so inspiring talking to you. I can't wait to see what you have in store for us in the future. And if you'd like to reach me, calendly.com forward slash Dr. Lulu, because I just launched my life coaching business oh, and I'm out there. Amazing. Honey. <laughs> awesome. That sounds great. 